life. I told y'all, I knew I just needed to flow with the Holy Spirit, and it was time to end that aspect of the sermon, which I did. But uh, I knew I had a lot of things I forgot to tell. So one of the things I forgot to tell, I'm going to share right now. We are very family-oriented people, ministers. Um, Growing up in ministry, there was a horrible lie that pastors were told years ago that if you'll put the ministry first, God will take care of your family. That is the biggest lie from the pits of hell. And so there are so many kids who are ministry kids who want nothing to do with God, church, anything, you know. Um, you know, that, I mean, people even wrote songs about it. You know, the only boy that could ever teach me was the son of a preacher, man. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, I like the song. I mean, the rhythm of it and all that. But I'm saying... I hate it when they write songs about that because they put all of us in this category like we're all heathen and we're not all heathen. But there's a lot of pressure put on ministers' families, I'm going to tell you. But anyway, we determined that we were going to keep our kids very involved with our ministry lives the whole time. And I love that I'm seeing that already being perpetuated in my children as they raise their children. In fact, the 11-year-old will be rocking it on the base at worship tonight at Cross Church Homo. I just wish I could be there, but I don't have the energy to be there. I'll have to watch it online. <laughs> but um, there's baby boy who is seven, was playing baseball. They're, they're all, and we, we are always either in New Orleans or Homo with them or we're out here. We're somewhere all the time. And uh, so we were down there at his baseball game, and as we started to leave, the coach was walking out with us and talking to Uh, Marshall and talking to us and um, Garland said well I'm gonna go get the truck so you won't have to walk so far he's so awesome to do that for me so he came up to pull up and the coach was talking to me and the coach said man she said I think that the reason that Marshall is it was a lady uh, they have like a few coaches but this was a lady talking to me she said I think the reason he does so good is because what he says he has this thing he says every time that he gets up to bat and so she said you know and Marshall looked at her kind of like she's crazy like he didn't know what she was talking about and so she kept saying that she said you know that thing that you say you know about the holy water and I'm thinking he doesn't know anything. He doesn't even know there is holy water. He don't know anything. He doesn't know Catholic. He never heard that. He doesn't know what you're talking about. And I sure don't know what you're talking about. But I just smiled at her and said, oh, okay, well, that's awesome. So anyway, we get in the conversation. We get in the car. We get in the, uh, the car with Garland. And so I asked Marshall, I said, um, Marshall, I said, baby, do you know what she was talking about? She said, you keep saying holy water when you get up there to, to bat. What, what's going on? He said, oh, he said, I've been saying, Holy Spirit, activate, activate, activate. Holy Spirit, activate. And he's, you know, jamming and going with it all. It was so cute. Of course, I loved it. And, and then I understood it. You know, it wasn't holy water. It was Holy Spirit. So that's what I'm telling y'all. And that's what I preached last night. I was going to tell y'all that last night, but it totally slipped my mind. Holy Spirit, activate. 
and the mother who has raised my two oldest amazing grandsons is coming to speak to us right now. I love this young woman. In fact, I might have, my husband and I each in separate ways might have had something to do with kind of getting them together years ago. But um, I am glad that she is a vital part of our family. I honor her not only as my daughter-in-law and as the mother of my grandsons, but I honor her as a powerful pastor's wife and a minister of the gospel. So it's my honor for Rochelle to come and speak to you right now. And listen, she's ha she's make they're making a, a really sacrifice to be here right now. I'm saying it because their schedule. They had 250 children in VBS all week this week at their church. That ended yesterday evening. And then they have church in Homa at 4.30 this evening. So she's going to preach and then they're flying back to home because the Bilbo's live on the road again. I don't know what's happening. All my songs are coming to me today. That's what happens when you're a singer. Everything's a song. But anyway, baby, come and share your heart. <laughs> so I was, you're so sweet. I was cleaning out a storage unit last week because it's very hard right now since Hurricane Ida to find a storage unit. So I had one that could be emptied. And so I was cleaning this storage unit out so that some other families could use it because they're starting their innovations on their house. And I found an e email from you, Miss Bev. I think it was like, I don't know, I might have been like 19 or 16. I don't know. It was for a blizzard breakaway. And it was like last minute you were asking me, you know, we had a speaker that can't come. And I talked to Pastor Chris and you're not coming, but I need you to come. And, you know, from that time, Pastor Bev's just opened the door and opportunities. So it was really sweet. Um, and then I found a letter from my mom apologizing that, uh, or me apologizing, because I think I skipped out on their 25th anniversary to go. <laughs> and neither one of us remember the argument. My mom and I, you know, we forget that kind of stuff. And so it was so funny, but uh, I had a great time in Gatlinburg. So <laughs> it's all good. She's fine. I'm fine. Everybody's great. But I said all that to say thank you for the opportunities to share the gospel. And I also didn't realize the son of a preacher man was a bad song. Brandon had to tell me that a couple of years ago. I'd always uh, sing it, but uh, I didn't know the, I didn't know the son of the preacher man was trying to teach bad things to the girl. <laughs> he said I could keep singing it. So I just said, amen. When you brought up the song and he looked at me like, no, wrong, <laughs> wrong song. <laughs> amen right now. But all right, well, I'm actually going to preach something, I think. So uh, oh, we are a little tired. We did have that VBS all week. I have never done this in my life, but <clears throat> we had some people over last night. I mean, we've done that a lot. We've had people over. But at 5.15, I said, okay, guys, I said the end time of this party was 5.15, so I need everybody to go. <laughs> so I've never kicked anybody out of my house ever, ever in my life. But it has been an eventful week, but I'm excited to be here with you guys today, or you ladies. Um, I share this often, but when God gives me a word to share or a message to share, so often he only gives me like two or three words. And I used to think, you know, maybe he doesn't think I'm that smart, like I can handle more than two or three. But I realized that God just wants us to jump in his word. He wants us to spend time with him. And that's why sometimes he doesn't give you the whole picture. He doesn't give you every little piece of it because the gospel is a mystery. And he wants you to get in there and he wants you to unlock some things. And he wants you to dig deep with some things. So he always just drops a couple of words. And then also, I think he knew if he would have told me the woman that he wanted me to preach on in the Bible... I just would have said no, because she annoys me a little bit, and we're going to talk about that in a second. 
But I was just like, I'm not sure about that, you know? And so he gave me the phrase, feet of Jesus, and I just kept researching that and researching that and researching that. And every time I came back to feet of Jesus, it came back to the same woman who drives me crazy, y'all. And so he just kept bringing me back to her. But I got to tell you, she is a rock star in the Bible. She is an awesome woman in the Bible, and that is Mary of Bethany. That's another question I have for the Lord. Like, why would you name your three, three of your leading ladies Mary? That's very confusing. But this one is the sister of Martha. So we know Mary and Martha. That's kind of how we know her, right? Synonymous, Mary and Martha. And so I am very much a Martha. I like to get the job done. I'm a hard worker. I love spending time with Jesus, but sometimes that part of me, you know, the working part kind of um, maybe overrides just a little bit. And so Mary could frustrate me sometimes, but I think that we can learn so much from Mary, and I just want to talk about that. I'm not going to talk so much about the conflict between the sisters, but every time that, that we find Mary in the Bible, the three times that we find her, she's at the feet of Jesus. Every single time on her best day, she's at the feet of Jesus. On her worst day, she's at the feet of Jesus. On her average day, she's at the feet of Jesus. You just continue to find different places emotionally. You find her at the feet of Jesus. And I believe that there's a great exchange. I like to put it that way, a great exchange when we come to the feet of Jesus, when we bring Jesus something. I feel like he always gives something back. So when we bring him our pride, he'll, he'll give us the, the humility and the faith that we need, or just whatever it is that you bring to him, I believe that there is a great exchange. And so I believe that this is what was happening with Mary. And so I just want to talk about that for a moment. Usually I use a binder. My pages are kind of sticking together. I love how uh, he puts it in Isaiah. He said he gives what? Beauty for our ashes. So you bring your pain, you bring your ashes, and there's a great exchange that's taking place. So he's saying, bring it all to me, whether it's good, whether it's bad, bring all of it, and I will give you what you truly, truly need. So we're going to talk about what Mary exchanged at the feet of Jesus and what she brought to the feet of Jesus. And the first thing she brought to Jesus was her teachability. So when we go to the feet of Jesus with a heart of teachability, I believe that we leave with a portion. And I want to talk about that for just a moment. Is this my water? It's good. It's good? Okay. Just going to take a moment. All right. So the first time that we see Mary at the feet of Jesus, it's in an account where she is really stressing her sister out. And so are y'all like who in here at Christmas, you were the one cleaning up? Like... You got it going all, don't you love the person who comes in? Like you have the towel and you're finishing, you know, you've organized everything. There's to-go boxes, everything's in the refrigerator. I mean, you're doing like the last wipe of the counter and that one person, right, comes in and says, oh, do you need some help? Like, where were you an hour ago when we started, right? And if you don't know who that person is, it's probably you, all right? It's, it's probably you. But listen, we love you. You're probably making everybody laugh. Um, you're probably having a great time. You're keeping the party alive. So we still love you. We still love you. She said, that's right. Are you, are you that person? Miss Ruth? Oh, I love you, Miss Ruth. We need you, okay? We need you. I mean, that frustrates me a little bit, but we do very much so need... I am going to pray for you, and you pray for me. <laughs> but that, that's where Martha was. She was a task master, all right? And Mary frustrates me sometimes because I just, I can be such a Martha sometimes, and we need Marthas, right? 
But apparently Jesus wants us to learn from Mary, from Ruth. Jesus wants to learn from that, <laughs> that same attitude. Because, it's, you know, it's like when parents say, I don't know if y'all ever had this happen. This probably happened to my siblings, you know, when they're like, why can't you be more like Johnny? Or why can't you be more like Susie? And so that's kind of, it's, Jesus is kind of like telling Martha, why can't you be a little more like Mary? That's what's going on. That's a very frustrating thing, especially when you feel like you're doing everything that God has called you to be doing. And then Jesus is telling you, can you be a little bit more like your sister? Like, hello, you like it? You feel it? She's like, you're preaching straight to me right now. So in this account, this is where Martha was, though. She was basically catering a party for at least 16 people. Jesus, his disciples, Mary, Martha was there, um, two siblings. Like, I mean, they just had a houseful. And then whoever else Jesus picked up along the way, that's what Martha's catering this party for. I did this to Brandon, I think, in November. I was like, I was like, y'all, Brandon makes the best hibachi. Like, let's have a family party here. So I invited my dad's one of nine children. So I was like, I'm going to invite my dad's family. That'll be, like, super fun. And so they started asking, like, can I bring my other cousin from the other side of the family? Oh, yeah, Brandon's a great hibachi chef. That's cool. Like, he does everything but the little pee-pee boy. Like, he's going to put on a great show. He's going to throw eggs. Like, we're not throwing shrimp. We're not wasting that kind of money. But, like... He'll throw eggs. It's going to be so good. And they're like, okay, can I bring my neighbor? Bring your neighbor. That's cool. Bring everybody. Can I bring my boyfriend? Yes. Can I bring my other boyfriend? Sure. <laughs> Maybe you should bring a friend for your other boyfriend just to, if we're going to do a whole missed outfire situation. I just... And so this party just kind of like grew out of control, right? And so Brandon is like very laid back most of the time. But that day, like in hibachi, making hibachi is a very common thing we do. But that day, he's just like, and he's all frustrated and he's like, he's kind of like frazzled. And he knows I was telling this story, so he's not mad. So y'all don't be worried about him. But he was just so, you know, kind of like anxious. And he's like, Rochelle, I've made hibachi for like six people, for maybe even 10 people. I've never catered a party for 30 to 40 people at the hibachi table, you know? And so that's where Martha was. And the hibachi, that's like one person, right? One person in front of the little thing. Nobody's bringing a casserole like you are the chef. And that's where Martha was. She was stressed out because it was all on her. But listen, this isn't a message on the sisters. I'm not going to dissect all of Mar Martha's actions today. But I'll say this. I don't believe Mary was lazy. I don't believe the Marys are lazy. <laughs> um, because Jesus would have called that out. Jesus wouldn't have let that go. Jesus knows the heart of man. He knows the heart of Mary. He, he, he knew both of their hearts, and he would have dealt with that too. And so Mary was exactly where Mary needed to be. And Luke 10, 39, it says, And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. And then in this time, between verse 39 and 42, Martha decides, I'm going to let Jesus know how it is. And so she's thinking, I'm going to expose Mary for her laziness. But when she does this, this is what I was talking about just a moment ago. When she does this, Jesus corrects her and says, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Don't you get frustrated when God handles something different than how you wanted him to. And as I was going over these notes this morning, I just felt by the Holy Spirit that was for somebody here today that there is a situation that you really want God to be handling it one way, but he is telling you take a step back because he, he's handling it a different way and he just kind of needs you to move out the way a little bit so he could do what he's doing. Yeah, 
But it's so frustrating when he handles it different and when you feel like you have a, such a pure heart and you're just trying to make the things happen. But Mary sat at the feet of Jesus to learn something. She sat at the feet of Jesus with a heart of teachability. Proverbs says it so eloquently. Proverbs says, for wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Y'all, I pray for wisdom, like I'm just not that smart, right? So I pray for wisdom when I wake up, I pray for wisdom when I go to sleep, I pray for wisdom before we go into meetings, because I just need the Holy Spirit to speak to me, because I think we're all dealing with things that we really just can't figure out on our own. Maybe, you know, 30, 40 years ago, but like I was watching the news this morning, I'm like, oh my gosh, only Jesus can fix this. Like our world is messed up. Our world is very confused. And so we need wisdom to fall upon God's children more than ever. It has to be something we seek. It has to be something that we're so passionate about, but we find it at the feet of Jesus. And there's some situations where I I don't want to respond my way. I want to respond the way that the Holy Spirit wants me to respond. And there's something that we learn in his presence and that we learn only through his word. When we become students of the gospel and seek a relationship at his feet, this is what he does for us. John 14, 26 says, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Like, I'm not the best rememberer. I could, we could go to the movie theater today, okay? Let, like, let's go watch Top Gun or something. Like, we, I don't know if that's a good movie, if it's, okay, if it's appropriate or not. I just said that. I didn't watch it. I didn't review it. All right. So, but any movie, like Finding Nemo. We could go watch Finding Nemo, and I'm Dory, basically. I mean, I could get out of that movie, and, like, by the time it comes out on video, like, I'm watching any movie. I'm like, don't go in the room. Don't go in the room. What's going to happen to her? What's going to happen is, yeah, never go in the room. Never go outside in the scary movie like I just I, I can't even remember what happened I can't remember the plot it's like a whole new movie to me I could preach this sermon today and I'm telling you like if you ask me what did you preach last week at Miss Bev's women's conference I'm like I don't know that's a good question like I'm just not the best remember but when it counts the Holy Spirit brings it back the Holy Spirit brings it back but you know what the Holy Spirit can't bring it back if it hasn't been deposited into your spirit through sitting under the word through sitting at God's feet and through your time in prayer and just your time with him so he has to be able to bring it back through the deposits that we've made so the answer you need is at his feet the hope that you need is at his feet the strategic solution that you so desperately need some of you need a very strategic solution to some issues that you're dealing with and it's at the feet of Jesus the faith you need is at the feet of Jesus the forgiveness you need is at the feet of Jesus and maybe that's forgiveness for yourself maybe that's forgiveness for other people but it's only at the feet of Jesus y'all the strategy for raising kids in 2022 is going to be at the feet of Jesus because I can't figure this situation out on my own we have some conversations and I'm like what <laughs> what is happening like we're trying to navigate through some things with some kids in church and I'm just like this wasn't happening several years ago or maybe it was and nobody talked about it I don't even know but it's a whole new world and I need to sit at the feet of Jesus and find the answer at his feet and I love what he says to Martha he says that Mary has chosen the good what the good portion and when you study out that word it means an inheritance or an award it means an inheritance or an award and a portion can't be taken away. So the enemy could try to take a lot of things away from you, but the enemy cannot take away the deposit that the Holy Spirit makes for you at the feet of Jesus. He can't take it away time and time again in scripture, even from prison cells, it was the wisdom and it was the inheritance 
and the portion that God had deposited in the heart of man that opened the doors, amen, that opened the doors and set the captives free, that elevated them to the highest places. But those were the deposits that were made at the feet of Jesus. It's the portion that can't be taken away. And Bible times inheritance was everything. Esau, Jacob, they all fought over what? Inheritance, right? Uh, my dad's family, he's one of nine kids, like I said, the Hibachi family. Um, I mean, they're not the Hibachi family. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they, uh, my, my grandmother passed away. My grandfather passed away when I was a baby. Then my grandmother passed away a few years ago. And I have never seen an inheritance divided like they did in this situation. So she, she was a wealthy lady, but she was also uh, very frugal. And so she just had so much stuff. And so you would just go around the house and you would just put your name or like a sticky note on anything you wanted. And then my aunts would go back and they would just draw names and you like won a prize. It was like, that's, it's like, you know, when they're coming up here and pulling names, it's like, that is how we divided up my grandma's stuff. And nobody argued, nobody was mad, but there is one thing that I got and I didn't have to pull a name because it was her bowling ball. And y'all, it's like a Cinderella moment. Like my fingers just fit in it. Like it was made for me. I'm not even a professional bowler, but they just let me have it. And so I have my own custom bowling ball. It's amazing. That's my inheritance. <laughs> I don't know how much that applies to this. <laughs> but it does. So if anybody wanna go bowling later, just holler but the things we inherit on this earth don't compare or hold a candle to the inheritance that we have through the lord's portion so my question to you is and i'm gonna read this what are you overvaluing in your life and what are you undervaluing in his presence what are you overvaluing in your life and undervaluing in his presence because we put such hefty appraisals on temporary things when the things that really count they're found at the feet of Jesus, and it's the things that cannot be taken away. Y'all, when I emptied that storage unit out last week, I just felt so sick. Like, I just kept holding on to things, thinking, well, what if I need it later? And the, the storage wasn't even worth the cost of what we were paying every month to hold on to the stuff. And that's going to be another sermon for another day, but there are some of us that are carrying things around that they're not worth the cost of emotional storage. <laughs> it's just not worth it. And so, and I, I just, I felt like God tell me as I emptied that storage out, and this is not even in my notes, but I just feel like this is for you. I felt like, I mean, it took several hours. It was very stressful. And I felt like I kept so many things. I'm like, well, maybe one day Marshall will want this for Maddox and blow, you know, whatever. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit just speak to me that like, I provided that for you once. I could have provided it again. Wow. Like it didn't need to stay in a storage unit. I could have just provided it again. And so there's just some things we hold on to with a lot of ifs, 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 whereas, and I'm talking about emotionally, I'm not just talking about physical stuff, where God provided once and he could do it again, and so we just need to let go of some things. I don't know who that's for or what that's about, but there are just some emotional things that you're carrying because you just feel like you need to hold on to it for whatever reason, but God did it for you once and he could do it for you again, whatever it is. I don't even know if that makes sense because it doesn't totally to me, but <laughs> I just felt like that was for somebody. So the first time we find Mary at the feet of Jesus, she's bringing her teachability for her portion. And then the next time we find her at the feet of Jesus, it's during one of the most trying times of her life. So the first time is just a great day, normal, average day, right? And this time is one of the most trying times of her life. Her brother had just died. 
Now, both sisters see Jesus at two different times, and the Bible has them quoted as saying the exact same phrase. So they both see Jesus, and they say, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But Jesus wept at Mary's comment, but not Martha's comment. They said the exact same words. They were singing the same song in church, the same lyrics. They were, they were all singing it, the same exact thing. But Jesus was moved with compassion upon Mary, but not Martha. But they said the same words. So what's, what, what's that about? It's like if I said, hey, Brandon, do I look good today? And he said, you look fine. Or he said, girl, you look fine. Like that's the same words, right? But it's just two different ways. And so there was a difference when they said these things to Jesus, but it was a difference in their posture. Let's read the scripture. And verse 32, it says, Now when Mary came to Jesus and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So this is uh, Mary. When Jesus saw her weeping, so she falls at his feet, and then Jesus sees her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping. He was deeply moved and in his spirit greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And then verse 35 says, Jesus wept. So they used the same exact words, but the posture was different. The posture was different. Mary was laid out at his feet, just weeping. She was vulnerable, and she was laying it all out in front of Jesus, just giving it all to him, her trust in him, and she was just at his feet. And so it was a difference in posture. And so when we go to the feet of Jesus with a heart of vulnerability, we'll find comfort at his feet. When we go with a heart of vulnerability, we'll find comfort at his feet. You see, it was a few verses back when life was easy, and Mary was just sitting at the feet of Jesus at the end of Christmas, just enjoying, you know, enjoying the party. But now she's sitting at his feet in grief. And she's trusting her, him with her grief. I believe that a true, the true character of a person's heart will be revealed when God acts differently from their desires or expectations. The true character of a person's heart will be revealed when God acts differently from their desires or expectations. Because I have a feeling, and I can't confirm this, but I have a feeling that when Martha went to Jesus, it was a little more with, Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, a little bit of an edge, then maybe my brother wouldn't have died. But Martha's at his feet, Lord, if you would have been here. And she's just broken, but she's still trusting him with her grief. And he, he wants us to trust him. So what happens when things don't go at, as planned, things don't go as, as expected? I think in those moments, we need to remember that Jesus is right there with us. Verse 35 says, Jesus wept. That was the first scripture I remembered because it was so short, easy, and I felt so proud. All my friends were in private Christian school learning all these chapters, and I'm like, I don't know anything. Jesus wept. <laughs> but when we look at the scriptures, the word moves there. When it says he was moved, it says he was deeply moved. It's used again in verse 38, and when you study it out, it means indignant. And so I want to talk about that for a moment because it says Jesus was moved by Mary. He was grieved. But indignant means feeling or showing anger or annoyance at what is perceived as unfair treatment. And I think one of the hardest things for Christians to really rectify is why do bad things happen to good people? Why, why are bad things happening around when, when we have a loving father? So why are these bad things happening? But we have such a loving father that he's given us free will. And sadly, sometimes with that free will comes the free will of other people. And sometimes God intervenes and sometimes he allows us to walk through some things. And I don't have the answer for that, but I know that Jesus wept. And I know that he's moved with compassion. I know that he's right there with us in all those times. I, 
we were on a vacation recently and just some, we went to the Grand Canyon. It was very mountainous and there were some sketchy places we were driving. And I was brought back to this time. Uh, my grandfather died when I was very young. I was, I think it was a month after I was born. And my grandma never got remarried, but she was like very much like an adventurous spirit. And so uh, some of my family, like half my family became Jehovah Witnesses and my little cousins. So I was basically the one that she would bring around everywhere, right? So we go on this cross-country trip and we're driving around a mountain and she falls asleep. I was in the third grade and she falls asleep and it doesn't have an edge. And I mean, it's just like, you know, you've ever driven on mountains that don't have like a, a rail? And she feels, I might have told you all this story before, but it's just, it's powerful. She feels something, grab her arm and pulls her back on the road and I hear her scream and, and I, you know, I, I wake up and, and she said, I don't know what was about to happen, but we were veering off the road and something literally grabbed my arm and pulled me back on the road. Wow. That was a time that God intervened, yes. but I could go through life and tell you sometimes he didn't, that he allowed me to walk through some things and instead he wept with me. And I don't know the answer of why sometimes it happens this way or why sometimes it, it doesn't, but I know that Jesus wept. And I know that he was indignant, and I know that he never left me in any moment that was difficult, that he was right there with me, and that he's right there with you. But what I do know is that in our darkest hours, like, we need to learn and we need to grow in those situations. I, I shared with someone not too long ago, if, if I wouldn't have, I said, if I hadn't learned that lesson in that year, so much more would have been lost and destroyed now. Like there's some lessons that we need to learn in seasons of life because if we learn them later, there's so much more at stake. And so there are some lessons that I needed to learn 10 years ago because if I'd be learning that lesson right now, it would be so much more tragic and so much more difficult. And so just know that God is doing something in you right now and he's working something out in you right now to prepare you for a greater moment that if you would be walking through that 10 years, like 10 years into the future, that it would really just break your family and it would break you. So it's a lesson that you need to learn right now. So Jesus weeps in our darkest hours. We're not alone. God's not telling you just to suck it up. God's told us that there are times to grieve. He puts that in his word, that there's times to grieve. There's joy in the morning, but I also believe that he grieves with us. He loves us. He doesn't ignore our pain. And he might be even a little indignant that you're going through what you're going through right now, but he hasn't left you. So we find Mary at the feet of Jesus on an average day and then on her worst day. And then on the third account is an occurrence that happens twice in the Bible, one by Mary of Bethany and one by Mary of Magdalene. And it's the anointing of the feet of Jesus. And these stories are so rich and it just foreshadows so much about the anointing of Jesus and, and Jesus's burial is preparing his body for the death to come. But that's not what I'm talking about today. But we find her just pouring out these oils on Jesus. So I just want to read some scriptures. Again, we're at dinner, at Christmas party, right? Oh, it's not Christmas. But uh, we find Mary again at dinner six days before Passover, anointing his feet. And this is what scripture says, Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of perfume, but Judas Iscariot one of the disciples, he, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to do what was put into it. And Jesus said, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but you, but you do not always have me. 
And I think this situation with Judas is interesting because Jesus knew Judas's heart. We see it in the Bible. We see exactly what he was thinking. He was trying to tell her, why wouldn't you use this for the poor? Well, we know he really just wants to keep the money, right? And so Jesus knew his heart, but he didn't out him in that moment. However, there will always be people with wrong intentions in our life that is trying to change our posture. There will always be people in your life with wrong intentions, and they're going to make it look so good. But what about the poor? We could use that money for the poor. I mean, that sounds like a worthy cause, right? The enemy comes in and he's sneaky. And that's what Judas is doing. He's trying to change her posture with lies and deception. But Jesus says, don't mess with her. Leave her alone so that she may keep it because she is doing something that's so beautiful. We can't change our posture with the whim of what people say or with the whim of what this world says. We need our posture to stay fixed on Jesus. We need to be at the feet of Jesus so we could prepare for the greatest move of God. Amen. She was preparing his body for one of the greatest moves. A heart of wor- when we go to the feet of Jesus with a heart of worship, we prepare the way for the king. So she was preparing for a move. The miracles of Jesus were so great. But we even put so much uh, tempor- we put so much value on temporary healing. And listen, I believe in healing. I have seen healing. I believe that we have some people uh, facing some cancer diagnoses right now in our church, and we are just believing for healing that God will do, and I believe He can. But we all know that God raised Lazarus from the dead. We saw that miracle. But what happened to Lazarus eventually? He died, right? So there's a hundred percent chance that at some point we will all die. That's, that is going to happen. And so Mary's worship, her sacrifice, was all about preparing for the sacrifice that paved the way for eternal salvation and healing. And her sacrifice was expensive. It was a year's wage. Her worship was extravagant, but her value was in his presence, not in what the world had to offer. It wasn't on anything temporary, but it was in his presence. It was so eternally focused you see, your worship is going to cost you something. It's going to cost all of us something. It's going to pale in comparison to what Jesus did for us, but our worship is going to cost us something. It's going to cost your time. It's going to cost your pride. It's going to cost your old reputation. It's going to cost you something. It's going to kind of cost you everything. But our everything is like filthy rags when it comes to the great exchange of what we get at the feet of Jesus. Our silly pride for his life-changing presence, amen. Our fear for his freedom. Our plans for his provision. I could go on and on, but my question is, what have you appraised wrong in your life? What is it that God might just be doing a little bit different than what you expected, but you need to trust him with today? What have we appraised wrong? I've had to decide that, like, I can't really be on social media that much. It is so temporary, and it's a few loud voices, and I just can't handle it. Other people can handle it, but I just can't handle it because it's such a temporary thing that robs me of my attention that I should be focusing on the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so what is it that you've appraised wrong in your life? I just want you to think about that for a moment. Some of us are putting too, too much value and giving too much attention to situations that just don't matter. Our praise is going to cost us something, but I promise you that you'll also gain everything. So there is something that God has called us all to exchange through worship and to all exchange at his feet. So I just want to take a moment. That's about all I have for you guys, you ladies. I keep saying guys used to talking to the the church. It's been a little bit since we've had our ladies night. Um, 
But I just want to take a moment. I know we're going to have an anointing service later in the day, so I just want to take a moment to pray over you. But if we could just maybe close our eyes, bow our heads in this place, and just take a moment with Jesus right now and just let him show you what is that thing, God, that I need to trust you with a little bit more? Or what is that thing that I need to exchange at your feet? Whether it's pride, whether it's it's plans that you want to go a certain way, whether it's trusting him with your health or somebody else's health, trusting him for a miracle because he can do it, whatever it might be, what is it that I have to lay at his feet? God, we just praise you. I thank you for every lady in this place today. And you know exactly what it is. I always say that it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of message because the Holy Spirit's part of this. And the Holy Spirit is speaking something different to each and every one of us in this place. And so you know exactly what it is that each of us have to bring to your feet, exactly what it is that we have to exchange in your presence, the worship that we have to bring in, and what we have to trust you with today, Father. And so we just, in this place, we just bind the spirit of fear that would try to come over every lady. We bind the spirit of grief that would try to consume your people, Father. We bind hopelessness that would try to come against every person's dream, Father. We bind every relationship that seems doomed in this place, whether it be with children or a spouse or just people in their family, God. We bind dissension in families, and we just speak healing, Father. We speak healing to finances, to the physical body, Father. We speak healing. We thank you, God, that you could do all things. And Father, we thank you that Jesus wept. We thank you, Father, that you grieved, that you have not left us alone in our darkest hour, that you not you haven't left us to deal with situations on our own all by ourselves, Father, but that you are right there with us in the fight, that you are right there with us and that you are teaching us something, that you are preparing us for a greater good, for a greater moment, Father. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you that it truly is light and momentary afflictions, Father, and that you're preparing something so great for us. We want to pass the first time, God. We want to get the lesson the first time. So we just submit to you today, Father. We submit our plans to you, Father. We submit our our doubts to you, our fears to you, all of it, Father, the good and the bad. Just like Mary went to you in her good moments, in her bad moments, on her average moments. We come to you with all the moments and we lay it at your feet. Our biggest dreams and our biggest hurts, Father, we lay it at your feet today and we trust you. We trust you with it. We thank you, God, for what you're doing. We trust you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless y'all. Thanks for having me. I hope y'all enjoy the rest of the conference. I'm going to give it back to my mother-in-law, the daughter of a preacher man. (laughs) Awesome. I told y'all y'all would love her. (laughs) She's awesome. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to, um, see, it's quarter to two. Um, do y'all need like a bathroom break or you want to just keep going and then go home? Y'all want us to go make some coffee or can y'all make it without coffee or what do we need to do? Yes, ma'am. We got that.